1: That's BlueNile.com.
2: Hello and welcome to Music In My Life with me, Laura Wright, the show where we talk about the music we love so much, our relationship with that music and the role it plays in our life. What is it about music that taps into our emotions and why does it make us feel a certain way? Uh, this week's guest is actually local to me here in Suffolk, which is so nice. I think this is the first time that we've probably done something online where actually you're within a distance where we could logistically be together in the same space now that we're allowed to. Um, lovely Nino Severino is a former Olympic and WTA touring coach, chairman of the Elena Baltacha Foundation and director at the Hub Sport, which I want to talk about. First, before we move on to a few other things, um, because it's obviously local to me and something that you're incredibly passionate about for people here in Suffolk who are interested in sport and you know coming through coming through the, the lines of sport through a young age, and I know that was really important to me when I was younger. Um, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so so much for being my guest today. Um you've always been involved in sport at a very high level, an elite level in fact, but what's it been like to sort of be in this stage of your life where you're really giving back to the community at the moment?
3: uh, it's absolutely fantastic funnily enough I was with um, an elite athlete yesterday and um, she's she's 16 years old and really struggled with the whole lockdown situation on on the verge of becoming an England national and it was interesting I spent uh, an hour and a half with with her and her coach and just really drawing on all the experiences that I've had that will eventually help her so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very nice place to be when you can start giving back.
2: And do you want to sort of talk a little bit about how you found yourself in that position, in that scenario, you know, losing your wife at such a young age through tragic circumstances um, and how since her passing you've worked tirelessly to continue her legacy?
3: Yeah, well, I mean, sort of legacy is a, a word that so many people use, but I truly believe that it is really tightly connected to Elena and her life. You know, we were traveling around the world sort of 42 weeks of the year and when we came back all she wanted to do was just be with children, help children from deprived areas. So so she really was hands-on while she was a professional tennis player and I could see that the the love the love she had for the young children. She it was there there was a big part of her that I think that was a child, you know, because she missed so much of her childhood coming through tennis and she was traveling at a very young age so I think she really connected with young people and um and all the work we do now with with young girls and young boys and 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 coming through the teenage years for me um it is a real connection to that love that she had and why I'm so passionate about about the word legacy and uh, my wife's name
2: yeah and you know what I remember my sports teachers my tennis coach when i was at school with such fondness they are they become very very important people in your life in those formative years and and you can become such a rock to them outside of that family environment as well and particularly if you have maybe not the most positive you know welcoming environment too i was incredibly lucky have you know three older brothers who were all very sporty and, and had lots of opportunity but do you think it, you know, means so much more to them? And perhaps you can explain a little bit about how you integrate, you know, these young boys and girls into this sport, and how you really kind of help change their lives for the better.
3: Yeah, I, I just think I just really connect with what you just said there. I had um, I had a a world class athlete um, was winning world medals, and I remember we sat down, and he didn't have the easiest of lives, and and we were together, and we were talking about certain things, and he he started crying. And um, it, he said, "You know, you're more of a dad to me than my dad. You know, and you cannot, it, you know, when someone says something like that to you, it, it really does come home to you how important you are in in people's lives. And um, it's just it's just trying to do the right thing, always trying to make sure that you're there for them not only not only from a sport perspective, but also generally, because what you tend to find is with athletes." things that happen outside of the sport really affects their performance. So you have to be open-hearted and you have to have quite a warm soul, although you still have to be tough when you need to be tough.
2: That's really is such a good point you make there. Let's touch on that a little bit because obviously, you know, we're, we're in the midst of the Olympics at the moment, but in a... Um, never before seen circumstances this is you know some they've talked a lot about certain sports actually being better without a crowd some really really needing that crowd participation to lift those athletes and that must be something that is very very strange for you to see as a coach um, but also something for those athletes that must be very difficult you've got so much experience in that area what do you think their mindset is you know going into these games it must just be so tough
3: I think, to be honest, a lot of athletes, they really have the ability to be in zone, which means that everything becomes very narrow and very microscopic, so they can really focus on what it is they need to do to win. So to be honest, I think most athletes are not even aware of the crowd. Maybe in punctuations of of, of competing, they'll turn to the crowd. You'll see it, won't you, often, Rafael Nadal. I remember Elena would always, you know, sometimes she'd say it in Russian, you know, Davai or come on, you know, and the crowds really, really? react. So, so there is that. Uh, you know, some athletes do feed off the crowds, but I think a lot of athletes do. They're so focused that I think most of the time they're not even, they're, they, they're not even aware they're there, you know, from, from my opinion. And mm-hmm. it depends on the sport. It depends on the sport, how broad it is. On a football pitch, yeah. it's very broad. So you will get punctuations in their involvement where they can connect with the crowd, and then you'll get others like boxers, where I honestly don't believe that it matters at all because all they're focused on...
2: And I was thinking like gymnastics gymnastics, as well. Like there's such a short space of time that they've got to be so, you know, I mean, like you say, it becomes about the minutia, the microscopic detail of something as a performance. And actually, you know, obviously we're, we're here to talk about life and music, of course, predominantly. And I suppose it is similar when I think about when I go out and perform and you get the nerves, you get the anticipation, the adrenaline, you know what you need to do, you know whether you've practiced enough and actually it's quite a similar headspace I think you find yourself in. That's why I love the combination and the connection between music and sport because they really are integrated so much more than I think people give credit to because it's, that, it's a very similar mindset and, and you can control the controllables. And if something else goes wrong outside of that, that's, you know, it's kind of not in your mind, it's not in your headspace at that point. Um, of course, music is creative, and you know, but then sport in a way is quite creative too, isn't it? Yeah.
3: Yeah, it's, it's really interesting you say that because I don't think many people mention about about the connection and the tra- transferable elements of being an entertainer and being a sports person. I think even if you look, look in the tax, the legality of tax in some countries, I think even here, that tennis players and sports people, they are classed as entertainers. Um, really?
2: That's, that's so athlete. interesting, isn't it? Yeah.
3: I'm, 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 I'm pretty sure I, t- I talked to a tax, a tax and it, and the name John McEnroe came up and I'm not sure it's something that John drove through saying, we are entertainers. Yeah. And of course, you know, when, uh, when, when tennis players go into the arena, like fighters do, and someone asked me, you know, is there much of a connection between fighters and tennis players? And I say, yeah, of course there is. They're both gladiatorial and the tennis player wants the crowd to enjoy you know, and a fighter wants to enjoy, wants the crowd to enjoy their performance. So from that point of view, they are entertainers just like you are.
2: Yeah, we see, and we saw that at Wimbledon this year, didn't we? That, you know, the use of the crowd in a, in a game, you see, I know someone like Andy Murray talking about how much that can lift a person up and you can ride that wave. Um, and I suppose in terms of talking about, you know, memories and, and looking back on on your time spent, as you say, on tour with Elena, was that something that she really thrived off or was she quite sort of focused and the crowd? was You mentioned she'd sort of shout in her language to be like, come on and, and use the crowd to her advantage.
3: Yeah, well, it's uh, sort of in sport we talk about narrow and broad vision. So, of course, when you're there waiting for the serve... To receive the service very narrow you're not seeing anything periphery but of course if you hit a beautiful forehand down the line winning shot you'll then turn straight to the crowds and you'll want some reaction because that's part of the stimulation mm-hmm. you know it's a drug it's i mean you will probably know you know when you go on there's nothing like it there's nothing like going on a stage and singing
2: yeah it's like and, I imagine hitting an ace yeah. like singing that really high note that you're working really hard to hit and you nail it and you're like yeah, and
3: <laughs> yeah, and you nail it. And Elaine Al- had a massive serve. Uh, one Wimbledon, um, one Wimbledon sh- after Serena and Venus, she was the third fastest server. So she had a massive serve. And I know the serve was something that you know, if she hit a great ace, she would turn to the crowd or she'd turn to me, and she'd want that sort of reaction and engagement. And that's part of the high.
2: Yeah, definitely. Okay, so let's talk about music in your life as a general thing. You know, has it, has it been something that has always been there as a narrative? Has music punctuated certain moments? We're going to talk about some of your song choices, but as a general overview, what's music meant in your life? And I know that's a very big question.
3: Yeah, I mean, I love music. Um, we come from a big dancing family and I used to dance myself. Um, so rhythm and timing and tempo means a lot to me you know, I invented a movement system. So the movement system was always about timing and tempo and rhythm. And we used to do a lot of training to music because I used to see that the athletes would, would react to, to, to music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We used to train a lot to music and, because I always felt that they, they um, you know, the, the body would be triggered by the, by the music. And I would always get a better reaction from athletes if the music was on. So music has always been big in my life. And, I, I mean, I love music. You know, any chance I can get to listen to music, too.
2: Yeah. And have you missed, you know, like I have and so many others, going to live gigs over the past 18 months? Have you missed that sort of side of things, too?
3: Yeah, the, um, the, the excitement of, uh, of an experience like that. When it's taken away, it's like anything, you know, when anything's taken away from you, boy, do you appreciate it. And mm-hmm. I think the I think the population now, you know, everybody just wants to get back to concerts, wants to get back to the theatre. You know, you're just hearing so much of it in the media because, you know, we're human beings. We want to interact. We want to watch. We want to be stimulated on so many levels. And that's what you do. That's what actors do. That's what sports people do. So, yeah, once as soon the quicker we can get back to just being normal again better for me
2: yeah definitely I agree with that so so much I had a couple of performances last week and it was very strange you know undoubtedly it's going to be quite a strange situation when you're socializing with people and you haven't after so long but actually when I was singing it was just so wonderful to have that kind of unique experience and and we as you say we long for that I do think that interaction is so important Mm um yeah okay well let's let's get into your song choices so we've got a song first that always cheers you up um, this is an Alicia Keys track. I mean, you've chosen some bangers today. This girl is on fire. <laughs> you know, there's some real powerhouse female vocals going on. Um, tell mm. me about this song and why it always, you know, makes you smile or lifts you up.
3: Yeah, this always makes me smile because Bally just, um, it was towards the end of her career and um, she never needed motivating Bally, but if she if she would latch onto a song, you know, would uh, she'd always do like a little dance or maybe mess around a little bit. And this was a song that that she used to listen to on court. And it was a, you know, she had a great training session or she did something brilliant. We would just both sort of break out into the song because it's such a lovely song to sing. Um, and now now with the two girls that I coach now, they're young. And if they train really well, I it's it's an excuse for me to talk about Elena and an excuse for me to play the song as well, you know. So I'll just bring it up on the speaker if they do really well. So for me, it's... Great memories, great connection with emotions for Bali and then that bridge of emotions that brings me now to the two girls I'm coaching now. So it's sort of come full circle around the song. So it's yeah. very, very important.
2: Yeah, and I bet they see that as such a huge inspiration as well. You know, we we lift, we're, we're getting so much better now about lifting strong female athletes up and and bridging that gap, you know, between male and female sport and and actually just sport for everyone, actually, which is so important in a way of coping. Like we talked about coping with so many things. It could be such a positive thing to reinforce. And I can imagine, I can hear it when you're talking about it, to hear that, this girl is on, you know, that, that real, you can just, and it makes it is, it does yeah. make you smile, doesn't it?
3: Yeah, and I absolutely love it. I absolutely love singing it. I love seeing the girls singing it. Um, you know, and they're, they're very... They've got their big characters the girls so so they sing it with me and yeah it's just like it's it, it, it's a funny thing it's just like both them and me and there's a connection with Bally you know elena there's a there's a real connection there because in my mind's eye I can see her beautiful smile and the way she used to enjoy music yeah. so for me it is fantastic
2: yeah ah oh, let's um let's listen to some of it now this is Alicia keys the Skull is on fire she's
4: not back down
2: Okay, so it's uh, so powerful, and I didn't realise this until I was having a look at the song today. knew it was a great piece of music, um, but the beat that's that big kind of impact, that drum beat that's in it is from a 1980s yeah, yeah. song. I didn't know it, that. No, yeah. And it's by a song by, it's called The Big Beat by Billy Squire, or Squire, I think you say. So he gets mm. a writing credit on the album, because that kind of That's big, it. relentless sound, which builds around the vocal, is what mm. I think makes it so sort of anthemic. And it was released 2012, which feels like so long it was ago. It 2012, yeah. yeah. 2012, and it's five times platinum, that's no surprise, you know, it's the lead single from her album, but there's something she, and also she said that this was inspired by the birth of her um, son and her marriage as well. So it's obviously, you know, that's, that must be a reason why it connects with you, that there's something in that coming from the heart and it's real and it's truth in this song.
3: Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is the beat, the beat, um, the depth of it. Mm. And you can really emotionally connect and even though we have a laugh when we play it, sometimes I mean, there is a really serious message behind it because obviously, athletes, especially young athletes, young girls, you know, they want to be motivated. They need their confidence building, and so just the messaging, you know, this girl is on fire. Just just those words, um, and when the girls sing it, it for them, it's just building and hardwiring belief in themselves. So
2: definitely, so and is, you've got. Yeah. You've got a short space of time as well with an athlete, you know, with an elite athlete to, to get to that pinnacle. Yes, we see athletes that have long careers in certain sports or kind of, but they are in the minority. And actually mm. the majority, you've got a very short space of time, which I think is the difference between music potentially and sport is that, yeah, these athletes, you you know, perhaps that you don't when you're that young and you're going into sport, but you know, in your mind as a coach, you, there's, a, there's a timeline here and we've got to hit it, right?
3: It's short. Yeah. The two girls I'm working with at the moment, though, I've been working with them since they were six. It's quite an unusual oh, wow. thing, really. Yeah, it's quite an unusual thing. And um, and their family and myself, you know, you're integrated into the families, uh, particularly with one of them. And um, so, so I'm hoping this is going to be a little bit longer. But yeah, but the life's short, you know. Uh, but you say that. I mean, look at Serena. I mean, my well, goodness. Well, yeah, I, mean, I know. The woman, is, the woman is outstanding. and It's insane. And athletes are starting to perform longer now because we have a much better medical around them. We have great injury prevention um, methods and principles. So an athlete life is getting longer. But you are right. It is a small window, um, and that's why you have to make the most of it. Not mm-hmm. only not only in the sport, but also with the relationships you build, you yeah. know, it's because the relationship is as much for a coach that you get out of it than anything else. You know, you look at Mike Tyson and Customato. I mean, I just watched so much of their footage together. Um, you know, they were without, a, without a Customato, there would never have been a Mike Tyson and so on. And you can look through history. So relationships are very important, even though the performance term is quite short
2: oh yeah and in every great iconic movie that you can think of that person standing right next to the person who is the athlete is integral to their success it, it is yeah, absolutely. yeah and
3: there's and there's a great photo of Mike Tyson like a bull like a tiger ready to pounce and Customato is behind him with his hands on his shoulders and it's yeah. it's it's I mean it's making it's really honestly making my skin just, <laughs> just really. <laughs> I need to look at that. Up. I have to
2: look and up that picture afterwards. A,
3: yeah, sure. look at look at it, Customato and Mike Tyson, and it okay. is just amazing, this this aggressive this aggressive beast with his coach behind him. And you that. just can tell it is a total partnership. It's mm-hmm. fantastic.
2: Okay, so let's talk about. I mean, another powerhouse singer here, Whitney Houston. I have nothing from you know this <laughs> incredible movie, The Bodyguard, nineteen ninety two. Tell me about you know why this song also reminds you of, of good times and, and why. Oh, so awesome.
3: this yeah, this is it's just such an emotional. It's such an emotional film. It's such an emotional song, and I remember me and Bally uh, sitting down and watching the film. Um, And the film sort of reflects our lives in a lot of ways because I I originally worked with Bali and it was a professional situation. And then like anything, you know, tennis is, I suppose, an intimate business because you spend so much time on your own and um, we just slowly, little by little, we fell in love, you know, pretty much like Whitney and Kevin, you know, in the film, they just fell in love, you know, somewhere along the way. You maybe couldn't put your finger on it, but they did. Um, So it's great because of that and and also because i really felt like i was uh, the deeper we got into the relationship i just felt so protective of bally and i honestly i honestly felt like i was her bodyguard and i told her once you know i said look you know it came to the scene in the film and i said look i said bally i would do that for you if there was ever, if if there, you know i would take a bullet for you and i loved her that much you know i loved, absolutely loved her that much so so the film and the song He's very, very powerful for me, and very, very emotional. And um, yeah, I would do anything. I would do anything for Bali, That's that's for sure. Similar to bodyguards, you know, across the world, you know, their job is to is to protect the person that that they're contracted to. For me, it was a much more emotional thing, but I really, I really got that connection with a bodyguard and his mindset. That look, if it comes to it, you know, you have to do whatever you have to do to to save to save your client. And, um, I mean, ultimately Bally, our last fight was to go to Los Angeles because everything came to a head here. There was nobody that could help us here. And, um, um there was a, a cluster of us all that had blood tests and mine was the only one that matched Bally's. So we were going to Los Angeles where I would have given her, um, I would have given her um, half of my liver. And, um, to me, um, I made that decision and we flew to Los Angeles to do that. So I really get a connection with, you know, given your life because potentially something could have gone wrong, uh, but I, I, it didn't matter if there was a button there that, and anyone said to me, you press that button and Bally will live and you won't. I would have done it instantly. She meant that much to me. So the film, I, I still to this day love watching that film and I still imagine Bally by my side watching it.
2: You're so powerful, and it's so I'm sure as well you know over the past few years we I was talking about this in fact just earlier today, how many different stages of grief that there are, and how complicated and layered something like that can be, especially when you know you touched on it there, how intrinsically linked your lives were, not only did it start with you know, a love of the sport, a love of the game, but then also this relationship that grows through an intense working environment, a support mechanism. There's actually so much more to it. And and I think often you hear of relationships that start from a place of friendship and love and support that grow into something that's so strong. And you can see that. And I think that what you've done in the past few years by talking about this, you know, your experience will have, undoubtedly helped so many people particularly in the last 18 months you know we've heard about so many people not getting the treatment they need with regards to cancer care because of the pandemic things being delayed you know some really really difficult situations and I know that people will have taken so much strength from what you're doing not only in the sport but just talking about you know your experience and, and that sort of story as well it's it's amazing and
3: yeah, yeah, and you know, like Bally always she always used to say this. She said, Everyone's got a story, Neen. Everyone's got a story. And everyone has a story and um it just depends how you want to travel through that story. And of course there are tragedies and and um I spent you know, me and Bally would wake up in the morning, we we'd face each other and we'd go through the whole day together and we'd have dinner together and we'd go to bed together. So we spent all our life together. So to lose and it's not about competition, you know, it's not a competition of who hurts the more when you lose someone. But when you are with someone all the time, all the time, there is a, a very, very different type of pain, I think, because then they're not there, and it's not like uh, sometimes with relationships it's punctuated because the other partner is not there for many for, for lots lots of time during the day or maybe the week. With us, we were just always together, so it hurt just that little bit more.
2: Yeah, and and also you know as you say, yeah, just such a powerful a powerful situation, a powerful couple as well, in a positive sense. I imagine that that, you know, so she must have taken so much strength from that in terms of her sporting life, but also your life together. And I think this is such a great choice of music for that. It really is. You know, you look at someone like Whitney Houston, her voice there is, it is heart and it's soul and it's real and it's felt deeply and it's, you know, very emotional. So I think it's a, it is, it's a great, it's a great choice and I'm so glad you talked about it yeah that people will understand you're like I get this now and and you really feel that so um yeah let's have a listen to it now and let's do our best not to cry yeah Yeah, I know I know feel free listen I mean it doesn't (laughs) matter anymore we've all shed enough tears recently so let's (laughs) have a listen to Whitney Houston I have nothing
3: so beautiful.
2: Do you listen to it out loud from time to time or is it something that sort of that you listen to by yourself?
3: I, I would listen to that by myself I did it today actually I, I went to YouTube and I just put put that portion of the film on and uh, yeah just sat here and cried it was just so emotional but but it not, it's not a negative emotion it's just a connection with a person through a part through a time in your life and it's not you're crying because you're upset you're just crying because it brings back a feeling, and that that's the emotional thing. Um, I, I, you know, I very rarely cry now because I'm upset. I cry because I'm emotional. It's just that connection.
4: If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers.
0: For Memorial Day, get 15% off your borough purchase at borough.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at borough.com slash ACAST.
3: Baffled, a brand new podcast bringing you some amazing facts that are complete nonsense. Imagine the likes that that would get on Instagram, you having a quick one up a lamppost on the moon. Incredible.
4: So you basically saying the reason the dinosaurs stopped living is because they all collectively made a
3: decision to have no more children. Oh, they're talking, I think until 10 years ago, I, I still shared the bathwater that my parents were in. You can find us wherever you got this podcast. Just search
1: for Baffled Amazing Facts.
2: I always say this to people that actually music's great because it gives you it opens a door and allows you to be emotional but it also means it can bookend something and like you say you can search that out for that emotion it might be happiness it might be anger it might be sadness but then when that finishes you can kind of go okay I'm going to try and you know I'm going to try and smile and move on with the day and see how it goes and if I need to go back to that place I can and that's why music can be such a powerful key and a tool in that and I wonder whether you bring that you said you play music to some of the athletes and the people that you work with but is that something that you kind of try and coach people through when it comes to performance as well
3: yeah, I think you, you emotions are massive because um, emotions, you know, when you talk about the psyche of the athlete, you know, we talk about mental skills and then we talk about emotions and emotions are totally different to mental skills. And I think music, like this afternoon, we'll have a training session and the two girls that I, co- I coach for lots of reasons, they're very in tune with music, very in tune. And I always try and encourage it. I always try and encourage them to connect with the music and I always try and play music that they like, you know, that's applicable to them. And I want to encourage that emotional vol- volcanic energy um, because I think that's all part of ultimately the performance. If you can control your emotions, you can control what you do on a technical level. If you can't, and we see it so many times in sport, you can't control your emotions then what you find the years and years and years of hard work you've put into trying to hone a skill, the limit, in fact, is actually not the skill itself. The limit in fact is that you can't control your emotions. So music is very, very important to me. We'll always play it as long as the scenario uh, allows us, um, and sometimes we go to a private area where we can have the music blasting. I, I'll, I'll always connect music with sport. For sure, one hundred percent.
2: Yeah, so I totally agree. Okay, I mean, we're moving on to another another female singer now, the one and only Adele. But this is actually for me quite a. This is your song about a love, and that might be a you know a romantic love, a friendship love, all of the above, all of the below, whatever it means. But I think you know it's make you feel my love is. Uh, it's just. It's one of those songs that's so fragile and vulnerable. And, and again, very honest and real, but in a very different way to Whitney Houston. Um, but tell me, yeah. you know, for you personally, what it means.
3: Um, it's so hard to explain. It's so hard to explain what this song means. Um, whenever it comes on, my whole, my whole world just stops. It just stops. Um, if I'm on the motorway and this, this plays, um, I, I will have to try and park um, because it's something that I really want to live, um, and it was a song that we listened to me and Bali, We listened to while we were traveling, and we said, "When we get married, we're gonna, we're gonna, you know, we'll dance to this song." And it was, uh, it was our first dance, and I can actually see the the photo of us together from where I'm sitting here. Um, it's a black and white photo. It's a beautiful photo, and it was a place in my life where I where me and Elena, we had people watching us in the first dance, but no one else existed. And we're both smiling in this photo. We're both saying something. I can't remember what it was, but we were always having a good laugh together and uh, we were whispering something to each other. And I was holding her hand in a certain way and you could see her ring and our hands were together. And I really felt that our souls at that point were absolutely one and I'd never felt anything like it in my life, a togetherness with one person. And I will never forget that feeling to this song. So it's absolutely massive to me from that perspective. Um, and then Bally obviously got ill and it was a traumatic four months. We got married, um, we got married in December, and she was diagnosed with cancer in January. So we had four, we waited eight years on the world tour to get married, and then we had we had four weeks of marriage. And then we found out that Bally was diagnosed with uh, diagnosed with cancer. Um, she called me from the hospital and said, um, they found something." And four months later, um, four months later, it, it all ended in tragedy. But the beautiful thing about this song was um, the lovely angels that come round and stay with you. The um, the Mary Curie nurses um, were there in the last days and nights. For me and Bally, and my sister was with me right at the end, and um, and Bally was laying laying in the bed, which we had downstairs, obviously because there's just no way she she could have made going upstairs. And, uh, and I said to my sister, "Look, I said the greatest moment for me was our first dance, and I said I want Bally to have her last breath to Adele, so I got on the bed." To- and we lay together and uh, my sister played Adele song and uh, she passed away in my arms. So it's, uh, you know, really, really, it's, it's just the most powerful song to me for the best time, the best moment in my life and also the most tragic, which is so bittersweet for a song. But I still listen to it. And I absolutely love it every time I listen to it because I do honestly feel such a huge connection with her soul. It's incredible.
2: Well, I'm not going to add anything except to listen to that now and to think of those bittersweet memories and, you know, happiness as well as sadness. Um, And I thank you for sharing so much of what she meant to you and also meant so many other people as well. This is Make You Feel My Love by Adele. such a beautiful song it's so beautiful that song I also think you know a lot of people who will listen to this will think how incredibly difficult any situation when you lose someone is and I think something I've learned is that to have the strength to be close to that person in those moments is something that a memory that although as you said bittersweet using that word is something that you'll have forever as well
3: yeah and 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 life and life goes on so you have to deal with these emotions you know and then they have to become part of who you are now and I'm absolutely without shadow of a doubt a different person now than I was before before I lost Elena but you have to use those you have to use those life experiences you have to use those moments and make make yourself a better person and be very very positive even though it was a tragedy to be very, very positive about life. You know, I've got my life. Elena has not got her life, but her life can still mean something because when I coach the girls this afternoon, you know, you can bet your bottom dollar she is going to be there in some shape, way or form. So life can still be positive. if there, There'll be people out there maybe who are listening to this right now who will be hurting so badly, so deeply um, that they, they will think it will never end. And I used to get so annoyed. It was like I just wanted to punch people. Who used to say, don't worry. you know, it will, it will come to an end. The pain will come to an end. And I just thought to myself, how can this pain ever come to an end? But it does. It does come to an end. So if there's anyone out there that has lost, lost a loved one, um, you're, you've got to do your time. You've got to do your time. You have to. Um, but it does end and you can start living again.
2: And was there anyone, you mentioned the Marie Curie support that was there, but was there anyone um, in terms of bereavement that you felt really helped, you know, that maybe if people are struggling, especially at the moment with COVID, you know, that support?
3: Yeah, it's it's so strange, Laura, because when we came back from Los Angeles, there was not that many days, and I reached out to all our team, you know, all our team, the medical people, the nutritionists, the strength and conditioning guys, um, the the agent, the P- PR, and they all just came in and surrounded me. And so, where we where we were supporting Bally on the tour, uh, it just switched, and they supported me. So, so yeah, you know, sport sport can can sometimes be so much bigger than sport because it is everything is based on relationships, and I'm sure you get it in your business. It ceases to become about the song and maybe the music and then sort of switches to how important the relationships are that you build within that industry and and I really did did get a feeling of that support after I lost Elena, yeah, very
2: much. Okay, so we're gonna talk about something that is um a piece of music that hypes you up, that is your kind of gym, you know, whatever it might be for people, it's getting their trainers on going for a run. For someone else it might be just getting up in the morning and, and going about their everyday life. Um this is Bon Jovi, a, another great epic piece of music that you've chosen, Living on a Prayer, 1986. You know, there's a, a period of time where lots of your musical choices have come from where music was great and there were just these huge songs being released. But what does it mean to you and, and what is it? Is it your go-to for the gym or, what? you know, what where does it stand?
3: Well, the reason I love this so much is because just Bally loved Bon Jovi. She was absolutely in love with Bon Jovi. I mean, you know, what? what how, how you, you know, um, it was like so it was, like, it was like Bon
2: Jovi Nino Was that kind of like the order that was oh, going uh, yeah, on there? Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah definitely you know I think if Bon Jovi would have come in the room you know that would have been it I would, would have <laughs> definitely not I'd have definitely not been getting much attention from Bali but she it was just this music made her so happy and Bon Jovi made her so happy and whenever she heard Bon Jovi music um, just the smile just the happiness that would ooze out of her was incredible and and for me, being with a, an individual like Bali, unless you live with someone like Bali, you, it's very hard to understand the enthusiasm for life because she had such enthusiasm for life. It was incredible. Um, she never, I, she never moaned. She never grumbled about anything. She always took every, every experience out of life and really made it hundred percent. And I think this music sort of reflects that because it really used to get her going. So whenever I hear this music, um, again an instant you know I suppose like all the songs really they're just an instant connection with uh, with Bally and how how much she used to love it.
2: I love that so it's from their album Slippery when it released 1986 I said three million downloads I mean it has over 775 million views on YouTube and I think probably 90% of them are people just rocking out not even watching the video it's all about the sound Um, and yeah that was as of March this year so I mean probably even more than that uh already it's such a great piece of music let's have a listen and rock out to it i feel like also a lot of those views would be because of guitar heroes surely as well there's got to be people that rack up the the youtube views because of that the older guitar solo so let's have a go at it now ourselves and this is living on a prayer bon jovi so good and you know it's that song right from the start don't you
3: yeah it's so good and I just see I just see Bally's smiling face she just absolutely loved Bon Jovi so it's a real great connection for me that song
2: oh it's nice to hear that kind of um you know that positive memory alongside music as well as as we say that's what we're talking about you know music connects us emotionally to so many specific memories and kind of time in general um so it's been you know Oh, an emotional journey talking with you about you know her legacy, her life, your life together, which just sounds something that you know people long to find in life, and it's amazing that you had that. It's it's really quite incredible to listen to, and I'm I'm really grateful for your time and sharing that. No, um, it's an
3: absolute pleasure, absolute pleasure. Yeah,
2: and I think it's amazing what you're doing, and I hope more people hear about what you're doing with young. Um, girls and boys bringing them into sport and it's as we said at the start it's so much more than that you know it can be a lifeline for some kids and it's so so important especially coming out of this pandemic where people have gone into this isolation and if they're not in a great environment then it's going to get worse and and you're providing a scapegoat you're providing that for them which is a bit of freedom a bit of time away so all power to you and I hope that you know funding continues and people keep giving and giving so you can do more and more of that work thank Um, you very much yeah, and I'm going to just play a little song that's one of sort of my suggestions at the end. It's, actually, it's a Bond song, Spectre, the Writings oh. on the Wall, Sam Smith, and I feel like Sam Smith's a bit of a voice where you either love it or you hate it. It's a bit marmite. Oh, I love, but... it. I love it. Oh, I you love it. Thank goodness for that.
3: Thank goodness for that. But
2: yeah, I, I feel like also this is the only Bond song I don't, I see it as a song away from Bond. I don't know why. Mm. Maybe because it's so recent, it's not really kind of become one of those legacy songs yet within the Bond franchise, but I yeah. think it's quite Beautiful piece of music, and it involved for me. I thought, well, it brings together the orchestral big sound, but also with the fragility of the vocals that we've talked a little bit about. So, yeah, he's here a comes, great artist. Uh, yeah. yeah, he is absolutely okay. Here's Sam Smith's writings on the wall. When a
0: whole begins to shine,
1: There we go,
2: another one with you know a lyrical genius. I think that makes us all be able to relate to to what we're feeling as well. Thank you, Nino. So it's such a well, no, such a joy. A yeah, yeah, and and just I really mean it. I think what you're doing is amazing, and to speak out about your experience as well takes a lot of I think, courage and strength. Um, well, we've done yeah. the
3: hard, we've done the hardest bit now. So now life, you know, life's about it's about positivity and enjoying life and um you know, as we said, you know, the young, the young athletes that are coming through valleys in and around them. And I really, I really enjoy it. I love it.
2: And let, let's finish with, you know, where, so where can people go to find out more about the foundation and stuff like that?
3: Um, yeah, well, they can go to the website, the uh, Elena Baltacher Foundation uh, website. Um, and there's lots of, lots of bits and bobs on there that will tell everyone about what we're doing. And we've got this great event happening at the moment, which is Love All, uh, the Love All auction, uh, which is for me great because it's a collaboration and a coming together of my world uh, tennis governing body who really looked after me when I lost Elena. You know, that tennis world came in and gave me so much love. And Judy, who really, who really was Elena's second mum. Um, and and did and has done so much for me. So we're bringing these entities together and a nice local, a very nice local charity called G Wiz, um, who's uh, I know G
2: fantastic. By, uh, That's great.
3: Headed up by Gina Long. Yes. So there's yes. this uh, collaboration of four lovely charities on a global level, a local level, and a celebrity level. Um, from Judy's perspective and we just want to do good and reach out across the world and try and have an effect so yeah go and have a little look at Love All and uh, come and join the ride because it's, um, it's a fantastic one so far
2: Amazing Thank you so much Nina and hopefully get to see you in Suffolk soon and obviously we should say best of luck to Team GB um,
3: yeah, very going, well strategically well.
2: placed behind you yeah we are doing very well aren't we so there yeah, we go let's see well. see what medals we bring home today
3: yeah thank you so much
2: <laughs> thank you